It is not so difficult to recognize the vision of the prophet Ezekiel in our own day. When we meet him this morning, the people of God have been living apart from nearly all they hold dear for a long time. They have been forced into exile. They struggle as they carry on far from home. Great swaths of what they love has been destroyed, and so much of the good that remains is inaccessible. This rings true today. Yes, some folks are beginning to come back together again, and still I see the dry valley. Violence surges around the globe again and again, killing children, leveling families with ceasefires that are tenuous at best. I see the sweeping inequality of access to the vaccine, to oxygen for that matter. I see how people are struggling to make a living, how it hasn't all just bounced right back. And most of all, I see, I see how people are hurting. This week, I learned that a third undergraduate at my alma mater died by suicide. The third in six months. And this is not unique. This is the valley, my friends. The land is, is parched, it's cracked beneath our feet. We were dropped here with little warning. And it can feel awfully desolate. Late on Thursday afternoon, I saw the sky darken. I hoped that, that maybe somehow rain was coming, even as it felt like a really silly thing to hope for here in this late, dry May. But an hour later, just as I hung up the phone, I saw the first drops fall. I was far from done with my work for the day, but it didn't matter. I ran out my back door onto our worn cement patio, and I laid down on my back. I, I threw my arms wide open, looking up, waiting, hoping. Please, God, please let it rain. It started slow, so slowly that I could watch each individual drop tunneling down, down from this impenetrable white sky way up above the tops of our redwoods. Some of the raindrops were so small that, that I could see how they they more floated down, being blown this way and that, not weighing enough to really fall. 
and the rain picked up, coming down steadily harder and harder until I was flinching, closing my eyes just in time to block the, the drops from falling into my eyes. I felt the water soak into my jeans and my sweatshirt, falling down through my hair, running across my cheeks. And I laid there, arms wide open, looking up. I was doing nothing, not anything, but watching and grinning and waiting. I listened as traffic picked up and died down on Pleasant Hill Road. The wind chime rang out, the trees tossed and creaked in the wind. The rain began to hammer on our gutter. A bird was, was tossed sideways on a fast current of wind, there way up above the trees. And I laid there, slowly, slowly being soaked through, the old cement still dry and radiating warmth beneath me. Finally, my, my hands were trembling from the cold wet and my, my teeth were actually chattering. And I stood up and I turned around. And there, for one fleeting moment, was a muddled rain shadow. The, the outline of my lying down on the parched earth. My lying down to receive and be watered out of what had so recently been the clear blue sky. Rain shadows. It's an idea that I learned of this spring from Andy Goldsworthy, this remarkable artist who creates ephemeral beauty from all kinds of objects found in creation. And as soon as it starts raining, Goldsworthy runs out wherever he is, whatever he is doing, he runs out to find a bare patch of ground. And he lies down there, letting the rain drench him, all so that he can rise and, and for just a moment see the silhouette of his incarnation. As I laid there on the hot slab, rain coming steadily down on my face and my body, I registered that something was shifting in me. This is how I want to live. And yet, so often it eludes me. The list of so many other important things hampering my ability to simply receive. But what if this was our way? What if I remembered that when I see the spirit on the move, nothing could be more important than welcoming her? How then would life unfold? What would happen in the valley of dry, dry earth? with bones scattered in all directions. What would happen there if we ran to receive the Spirit? 
This is the way of the prophet Ezekiel, and this is the way of Pentecost. The prophet offers us a map of bold hope. Standing there, he's, he's standing in desolation, and he hears the word. He takes it in, even as ridiculous as it sounds, looking out over all those dry bones. It is scandalous to hope for life in the midst of sprawling death. And yet he listens. Ezekiel lifts his voice and reaches for the Spirit. He calls that holy breath present, where it seems that breath has long been obsolete. And still, the prophet calls out, desperate, trusting, wild in his hope. The story of Pentecost is no less audacious. Many of us are so familiar with it that we've We've domesticated the story with our fondness. But remember with me. When these disciples gather, it has only been 53 days since the state has executed their teacher. His death was degrading, humiliating, heartbreaking, physically agonizing. Yes, Jesus has risen, and they have begun to think about how they might live out this resurrection. What comes next? But I wonder if it's also been just long enough for the numb shock to dissipate, so that now they are starting to feel the horror of what they saw on the cross. And now he's left them again. Yes, under much better circumstances. And yet, it must still hurt. This is the state, the jumbled state of their hearts when the spirit blows in. Burning hot, connecting the the whole massive crowd with one another at their core. They don't shy away, but welcome her even as she transforms them. It is a scandal of hope and possibility as the Spirit shows up among the remnants of devastation. Friends, as you take stock of your days, if what you see is a cracked, thirsty earth, dry bones, an empty sky. Take heart. Listen again to the scandalous hope. This is where the Spirit arrives. And this is where we can call the Spirit present, where we can invite that breath to blow again. This is where, against all odds, the Spirit arrives and begins to knit us into new life bone to its bone, sinews stretching and connecting until we are standing and living and moving together again. This 
way of hope is ludicrous. And it is true. We can run out at the first sound of rain, dropping everything that we may receive this life. We can throw our arms wide and invite the Spirit in. The Spirit is pouring out her mercy on this dry ground, on these seemingly forsaken bones. She is soaking us with her blessing, blowing in her most unlikely life-giving breath here in this valley. On the hot, broken cement, on, on the community weary from endless months of pandemic, on the valleys littered with the bones of our lives, our loves, our hopes, Rain in May, breath coming even to all that death. Yes, yes, the spirit knows no bounds. We can call her present. We can call that breath to come. And we can pay attention. And when we hear those streams of mercy begin to flow, when we see the Spirit coming, we can drop everything and run. Run outside, throw our arms wide, and welcome her. We can receive this holy breath and be drenched in the Spirit.